What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 53 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palillo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. Week 16 is done. Two more weeks of the regular season to go. And in college, it's finally the New Year's Six Bowls. I'm excited to uh, start to preview some of these games and uh, get ready for the final two weeks of the NFL season. Yeah, I mean, Pale, it's been a while since uh, since Alabama played like the conference championship game. So, yeah, pretty excited to watch uh, those games um, tomorrow. And, yeah, and for the NFL, uh, some teams in the AFC especially, like some teams took a jump, some teams took a, a uh, step back. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to get into that. Yeah, before we enter the college, of course, we will start in the NFL. We'll first start in the AFC North, where the Cincinnati Bengals dominated the Baltimore Ravens for the second time this season. They won this one 41-21. Joe Burrow is the star in this one, 525 yards. I mean, incredible performance by Burrow. I know the Ravens secondary was banged up, but anytime somebody throws a 500-plus yards in the National Football League, they deserve all the praise. I mean, the trio of T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd combined for over 400 yards receiving. Higgins had almost 200 himself and an unbelievable catch over two defenders late in the first half of this one. This basically puts Cincinnati in a clear driver's seat for the division due to the fact that they have the tiebreaker over the Ravens. They would need to lose both of their games and still other teams need to win and stuff like that. So it's looking like Cincinnati will now be the winners of the AFC North pending, like I said, uh, an absolute collapse from them. But uh, for a team that's been kind of inconsistent this year, they have been consistent at beating the Steelers and the Ravens 4-0 against both of those teams in their own division. Pretty impressive. Good for Cincinnati. It's been a quick turnaround there, led by Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and head coach Zach Taylor. But um, yeah, excited to see what the future holds for Cincinnati because you watch a game like that on this past Sunday. I mean, that's a team that could really uh, stick around for years to come. Yeah, I mean, this Bengals team uh, all year has been pretty inconsistent but uh yeah you're right I mean against the AFC North I mean they did lose to the Browns but yeah against the Ravens and the Steelers both games like they've showed out and straight up dominated in both those games I mean Joe Burrow like you said a very banged up Ravens secondary but to throw for 525 yards in an NFL game it was like pretty easy too like he was just slinging it all over the field and yeah I mean when you got when you got receivers like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, uh, I mean you're definitely makes your job easier. Those guys are getting open, uh, big plays. So yeah, I mean this Bengals team, they're pretty inconsistent from time to time, but I don't know if they can generate some type of consistency. I mean, that offense, like when you talk about QB, wide receivers, running back, like I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs obviously got like Patrick Mahomes and T- Travis Kelsey and uh Tyreek Hill, but I don't know really that many teams. In the, I don't think there's any other team in the AFC. Like, you look at an offense, I think the Bengals, like, skill-wise, I mean, talent-wise on the offensive side of the ball, I think, um, yeah, they're as good as anybody in the, in the AFC and maybe in the NFL. Yeah, at the skill positions, you're right there in the sense that, I mean, they got four guys in T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd, those three are wide receiver, and then Joe Mixon at running back, of course, who are – Really as good as anyone in that conference, you know. Like again, I can't really take match of four if you ask me in that conference. I think maybe Tampa Bay has a better yeah. core than them. I mean, you could argue Dallas as well. But uh, yeah, they they got playmakers all over the field. I mean, 
Joe Burrow's thrown for 525 yards, and this team was really relying – I mean, not relying on Joe Mixon uh, earlier, but Joe Mixon got real hot in the mid-stretch of the season. So you know what I mean? Now when you start – when Joe Burrow's hitting his groove and you've shown that you can win with Joe Mixon running the ball for 130 yards, it makes the Cincinnati Bengals multidimensional on offense, and it makes them a lot more dangerous in that sense when they're both clicking at the same time. So if you get the – if you get Cincinnati's A game, they're going to be a tough – to be, they're going to be tough to beat. Like we've said, they just have they struggled with consistency this year. But I'm excited to see this team, especially this week. They have a really good matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe that can help gain some clarity on what type of team they will be come the playoffs. But let's flip it to the Ravens side of things, Core. This is the fourth straight loss for them. Like I, we mentioned last episode, that they absolutely needed to have this win in order to really have a chance at the division. Now they're going to be probably playing for a wild card spot. I mean, it's unfortunate that Tyler Huntley was unable to go and Lamar Jackson wasn't able to come back in this one. I was a little upset. I thought that Lamar Jackson, I know he's banged up. I guess his injury is a lot more serious than we might think. You'd think that, like, your backup goes down. I know Lamar, obviously, he's more of a mobile quarterback, so a lower body injury like an ankle injury is a lot more significant on him. But I don't know. I would have liked to see. It really didn't matter at the end of the day because their defense didn't give them a chance to win in this one. Josh Johnson. A career journeyman, unfortunately, had to start for the Ravens. And again, yeah, you could say that he didn't do enough. But I mean, at the end of the day, it didn't really matter who was that quarterback for the Ravens in this one. But four straight losses puts them in a brutal spot for their playoff hopes. They have to play the Rams this week. It looks like Lamar will be back this week. He's already started practicing, but still a question mark. Uh, Just a disappointing, like, streak for the Ravens, a team that's been so consistent really over the last few years. And uh, they need a late season surge to really get back into the playoffs and save their season. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens have dealt with a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. I mean, started uh, J.K. Dobbins goes down, Gus Edwards goes down. I mean, you lose Marlon Humphrey for the year, Marcus Peters. Like, you just lose a lot of guys. Now you lose Lamar, Tyler Huntley on your third string quarterback, 35-year-old Josh Johnson. I mean, I thought he played pretty well. Just like like you said, I don't think yeah. The, the Ravens defense, uh, if you had Lamar in this game, I don't even think it makes that much of a difference. You can't give up almost 600 total yards of offense and, like, expect to win a game. So, I mean, yeah, just a lot to overcome for, for the Ravens. And, yeah, I mean, I thought the, the Ravens earlier in the year were winning a lot of close, close games. And, like, recently, it, it's gone the opposite way. This one obviously wasn't close. But, yeah, they put themselves in – somewhat of a hold but I mean yeah they can still get in in the wild card they're definitely going to need Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley this week um against a a pretty hot Los Angeles Rams team and I don't know I think if they could somehow beat the Rams I like them to beat the Steelers the last last game of the year and hey if, if the Ravens win out the last two I'd say there's like at least at least like a 45 Fifty percent chance. I think they can get get into the playoffs. So I don't think their season's over, but definitely we're in the driver's seat to uh, to win the AFC North, which they can't do. But hey, I mean the Ravens do have been a playoff team over the last few years, so I don't think they'd mind get going on the road in the playoffs as long as they're in. So yeah, I still think the Ravens they can win this week. I think they could um they could sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, listen, I mean, the Ravens are a team that you still don't want to see in the playoffs. I know Tennessee, who right now is the two seed in the AFC, lost to the Ravens last year in the playoffs. Now, I know it's not the same Ravens team, but again, your first round matchup matching up against a team that beat you the last year. Yes, there's a lot of 
revenge in the air for Tennessee, but then in Baltimore at the same sense, it's almost like the belief that, hey, we've beaten these guys before on the road in the playoffs. Like, this is a new ground for us. We can do this again this year. So definitely keep your eye on the Ravens this week. Like you mentioned, against the Rams, that's a big game for them to really increase their playoff chances. If they lose that one, then week 18, they definitely would need some help in the AFC playoff picture. But, uh, Corey, there's another team this week, if you ask me, that really could have separated themselves from the pack in the AFC. And they, they honestly just had a brutal loss. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers lost to the Houston Texans. Yes, you could say right now that, oh, like they were, what, 13-point favorites and stuff like that. Yet they were they were very banged up. The Los Angeles Chargers, they were without Nick uh, – they were without Joey Bosa on defense uh, along with a couple other defensive backs. And then on the offensive side of things, Austin Eckler, no – Mike Williams, no Jalen Guyton. So you're missing those three skill guys. That definitely hurts. Yes, Keenan Allen's still there, but it was just too much to overcome for a depleted Chargers team. I mean, now they're eight and seven. If they would have won, moved up to nine and six, they probably would have really had to win one out of their last two. Now, they, if they only win one, they still need a little bit of help. So it's, it's upsetting if you ask me the Chargers, another team that struggled with consistency this year. You've seen them go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs earlier in the year, and then you've seen them kind of lay an egg against the Ravens earlier in the year. But um, I, I still think this team's okay in the sense of, like, I'm not, I'm not worried about them, like, losing to the Texans. I'm not, like, rethinking about what Chargers team this is. I just think that it was, like, bad timing, and you just tip your cap to the Texans. They played a good football game. Yeah, I mean, Davis Mills for, um, for the Texans certainly not getting – any type of love um i mean this has not even been that good i'm not even gonna say that good like it's been a pretty poor year for rookie quarterbacks this year and davis mills guy who's gotten under the radar i mean he's quietly had a solid season when he's played in um in houston but yeah i think this chargers team definitely unfortunate i still think um hey i think the chargers i once i think kind of similar to the Bengals, but i think the chargers honestly are a better football team but they also have struggled with consistency. And, yeah, I mean, this one, this is a game. I know you're banged up, but you're playing a team three wins. Um, I know it's in Houston, but, I don't know, you, you got to find a way to win this game. Um, yeah, credit to the Texans, but definitely a tough loss. And, hey, in the AFC right now, I mean, a loss, like, you can't really afford losses just because how bunched up, like, the the 13 seed to the, six and seven seed are like it's pretty it's pretty crazy but yeah I mean this Chargers team they got two games left against AFC West opponents and neither one of them the Kansas City Chiefs so I mean this is another team similar to the Ravens um they can kind of control their own destiny if they could if they can go out and win both games I mean someone's going to get left out on the outside looking in but I certainly think this Chargers team we were talking about earlier in the year um, this team was like a, we thought we were like a top three team in the AFC right now. They're the ninth seed in the AFC, but yeah, I think this team is definitely playoff caliber and I'd like to see him in the playoffs. I think, I know, um, Joe Burrow had like a really good game and Justin Herbert didn't have a good game. You're still rocking with, with like Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow, right? Right now. Yeah. And I know that was a common thing that we saw. Uh, this past week. And listen, it's always going to happen when a guy like Joe Burrow has a crazy performance this past week. I'm not knocking Joe Burrow at all. I think he's a spectacular young quarterback in this league. But you know what I mean? People are already throwing him into the top five conversation at the quarterback position. I kind of want let, to let's halt a little bit. Yes, it was an unbelievable performance and stuff like that. Yes, Burrow's been good this year, but still, get, I'll still take Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow. I just think that, I, again, like 
Herbert just can do a lot more than Burrow. Yes, Burrow's had, like I said, great numbers this year, but Herbert has too. If you look at the whole season, not just the one game against Houston that he was without his starting running back and two of his top three receivers. But uh, it's listen, those two are going to be linked forever. Even to a tug of Iloa will be in there as well because he was in that draft. I know. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's definitely a step below the other two. But for right now, I'm still rocking with my guy Herbert. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was seeing a lot of things on on like TV and like social media that like like Joe Joe Burrow is better than Justin Herbert. That's just clear recency bias. I think both these guys are. I think Justin Herbert has proven already he's uh I think he he's a star right now. I think he has he could be a superstar um quarterback in this league very soon. Yeah, like I said, already Justin Herbert before this game, like there were talks of him um maybe in like an MVP conversation, like not gonna win, but like he was like towards like the bottom of the conversation. And uh yeah, I'm definitely rocking with Justin Herbert right now over Joe Burrow. But like I said, yeah, both these guys I think will be really good quarterbacks in this league for for years to come but yeah for now I'm still I'm still rocking with Herbert let me see Joe Burrow to like put together some more now nah, he's been consistent but he's not I don't think he's he's not putting up 525 yards every game so I think the recency bias is kicking in a little now but yeah Herbert for sure I'm taking over Burrow right now hey hopefully we could see both of them lead their teams through the playoffs and maybe It'll gain some clarity on who we think is the better quarterback there. Core, another team in the AFC that lost along with the Los Angeles Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens, the New England Patriots, a game at home against the Buffalo Bills that they could have really put away the AFC East with. They lose. They just got severely outplayed in this one. And Josh Allen just reminded people why he is one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League with this one. Their defense was good as well. And this one forced Mac Jones into two interceptions and they threw for under uh, 200 yards. We mentioned a couple weeks ago when they played in Buffalo that the wind completely favored New England in that one. And that if you saw them, maybe like if they played in a dome or something, we thought Buffalo would definitely win in that one. And uh, like I said, it was on full display with that one. Allen, 314 yards in the air, three touchdowns and another 64 on the ground. And uh, I think this was like, I think it was right in the sense that now Buffalo moves in to the driver's seat in the AFC East. If they win out, they control their own destiny. Like they control their own destiny. They win against the Falcons and the Jets. They win the division. So I think it's right. I think the Buffalo Bills are a better football team than the New England Patriots. Uh, I think the Patriots still are a capable playoff team. I think, again, at, they're at nine and six now. They still are kind of in their own driver's seat in a sense for the wild card. They need a little bit of help to jump into the division. I think both of these teams ultimately will get into the playoffs. I just think Buffalo is the better team, and the better team won in Foxborough. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think uh, coming into the year, um, I think we all thought the Buffalo Bills would win the AFC East. Um, and yeah, I mean, midway through the year, um, Patriots going an absolute surge. But yeah, I think Josh Allen is like if you take Josh Allen off this Bills team, like he is one of the most definitely like the most one of the top three most valuable quarterbacks, in my opinion, to his team. Just like everything he does. Um, I think he's definitely a legit dual threat quarterback. He, 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 he's probably led the team in rushing for at least eight to ten games this year. I think, yeah, I think this Bills team um, is a pretty dangerous squad. And for the Patriots, um, I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but I think the thing about the Patriots, like you look at that team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, 
they just lack some type of like explosiveness. I mean, Damian Harris had a really good game on the ground, but I think this team has to like lean on their defense a little more. Like Mac Jones, I think will be like a solid quarterback in this league, but I don't think right now, like he's that guy to, to go out there, sling it for 300 yards and two or three touchdowns and like get you a win. I think like in this game, I think the bills that zero turnovers, uh, I think the Patriots defense, like they got to be creating turnovers. And I think the Patriots offense, like they had two turnovers in this game. I think when you get, when you turn the ball, when you turn the ball over two times in a game like this to a like superior team, like it's going to be tough, tough to win. So yeah, I think the margin for error right now, like while the Patriots are playing a good team, it's pretty low. Like they got to win the turnover battle. Mac Jones can't turn, they can't turn the ball over. They got to run the ball good. And yeah, I, I think when you got Bill Belichick, a coach, as your uh, your head coach, like anything is possible. But yeah, I definitely think this Patriots team, they they kind of just yeah, like on the offensive side, definitely lack a little explosiveness. That that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I think the biggest thing with the Patriots, if you want to beat them, is try to get them a little bit off script and get them playing from behind. I think the Patriots, when they're ahead, are a very dominant team in that sense because they can lean on their run game, which is their strength of their offense. Matt Jones can play more in rhythm. When you start putting them down by seven, ten points, it just kind of rushes them, like rushes them and puts them in a position that they don't want to be in, and they're clearly not comfortable. And I know Buffalo got up to a 17-7 lead in this one, actually twenty to seven because they kicked the field goal out of half. Um, I mean, if you look at the Indianapolis Colts too, they went up twenty nothing on them. So if you can get up early on this Patriots team, it looks like it's a severe advantage. So playoff time, that's definitely what teams are going to want to do to beat them. With that being said, though, I think that the Patriots, I mean, we were talking about the Ravens and the Chargers before. I think out of the three, I feel the most confidence in the Patriots winning a playoff game. Now, this is going to might sound a little strange. I don't feel as confident as like, if you ask me which of those three teams, if they were to win the Super Bowl, who, do I, who would it be? I would say the Chargers. I think the Chargers are have a high, a lot higher of a ceiling, but a lower floor than the Patriots, which is why I, I feel like I know a lot more where I'm getting with the Patriots. Which is why I would take the Patriots over like them in a playoff game, let's say, who, who like I think could pull off an upset there. But I just, yeah, I just don't think the Patriots. I think they just lack that explosiveness on offense to potentially go on a Super Bowl run. I think it might hold them back. Yes, I know Bill Belichick, of course, one of the greatest coaches of all time, but I just think it's, I just, just think that there's not enough there for the Patriots. They're a very good football team. And like you said, they can really take the ball over at a noticeable clip. Then that makes up for it. But for right now, where it stands, I think the Patriots are more than capable of winning a playoff game, but potentially going to the Super Bowl, I'm not 100% sold on them. Yeah, I mean, I honestly agree with that. I think, yeah, you look at the Ravens, Chargers, and, and Patriots, I think right now, I think the Ravens are just so banged up that it's like tough to even consider them I mean, if Lamar Jackson's coming back, uh, I don't know how high their ceiling is regardless with Lamar Jackson, just a very banged-up football team. But, yeah, I think I definitely agree with you on that. The Chargers, like, if you get the Chargers A game, it, it, it's way better than the, the Patriots A game. But you're definitely way more likely to get an off game from the Chargers than the New England Patriots. Like, you know what you're getting from the Patriots, and you don't necessarily know what you're getting from the Chargers. But... I, yeah, I think this page. Yeah, I really don't think this Patriots team right now. I can't see them uh, getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's easy to change opinions. Like a few weeks ago, we were looking as like the Patriots and the Chiefs at the top of the AFC, and now like we'd say the Bills uh, have passed them, which I think they have. But 
yeah, I, I definitely agree with that statement. I thought that was a good statement. Yeah, I think the Patriots um, are more consistent, but overall, like talent and ceiling wise, I don't know how um, if they can compete like against like the Chiefs or like the Bills in the playoffs, or even if they saw like a team like the Chargers. Like if they got the Chargers A game, I don't think they could they could really handle that. That's just nothing against the Patriots. I just don't. They don't got the talent like um like those three other teams. Yeah, and sometimes it comes down to the most important position on the field, the quarterback position. We just saw last week when you have a dynamic player at that position, it can completely change the whole game. It changes everything. And Josh Allen did it last week. Justin Herbert is more capable than a guy like Mac Jones. Mac Jones, though, to his credit, I mean, you'd think he's on his way to a rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year award. Who knows, though? I mean, the guy's thrown for 3,300 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Core, I know you're not as sold as Mac Jones, offensive rookie of the year, as maybe some other people, especially the betting people. But, uh, I mean, do you, I mean, this is his race to lose. I know he struggled the last two weeks. Do you think Jamar Chase could catch him? Because Jamar Chase, I mean, has had a great season in his own. I mean, the guy's going to a Pro Bowl with over 1,150 yards right now and 10 touchdowns. I think he's more than deserving of this award. We've seen it in the past that they will give it to a skill position guy over a quarterback when Saquon Barkley won it in 2018 over Baker Mayfield. Yes, I know Saquon Barkley's season, he went for like 2,000 scrimmage yards. But still, I mean, Jamar Chase in his own right is within like the top 10 receivers for uh, receiving yards. So uh, I'm curious how you feel on the offensive rookie of the year race. See, like, I know last year Justin Jefferson had like 1,400 yards, and he was definitely capable um, definitely worthy of winning the award, but Justin Herbert, in my opinion, had like a really, really good rookie season or just a good season in general for a quarterback. So like, I didn't have a problem with that. But if you look at it this year, Jamar Chase is almost at 1200 yards with two games to play. I know he's going to have one more extra game than Justin Jefferson, but I think he's putting up a little bit similar numbers to, to like a Justin Jefferson rookie, rookie, um, type season. And, like, Jefferson lost because he went up against Herbert. And I think Mac Jones' season is just, like, not even close to what Justin Herbert did last year. So that's why I'm I'm kind of leaning Jamar Chase. Like, you look at Jamar Chase. He's top 10 in yards. Guy's tied for third in touchdowns. I know he doesn't have that many receptions, but he was a big play threat for a lot of the game. Like, a, a lot of the year. I know, like, over the second half of the season, he's kind of – fell off a little bit like he's definitely cooled down a lot like at the beginning he was on pace for like 1800 yards but I just think like over the whole course of the season his body of work I would I, I'm taking him over over Mac Jones I think Mac Jones has had a good season I think in the beginning uh, I think like what made him rookie of the year favorite was he wasn't turning the ball over and the Patriots in first place and now they've dropped two games in a row and he really hasn't had good games against two um two playoff teams in the Colts and the Bills. So I don't know if I was going to pick the award personally, I'd definitely go with Jamar Chase. I think he's had a way better, <clears throat> way better season as a wide receiver than Mac Jones has had as a QB. If Mac Jones wins, I know you said they've, they've given it, they've given it to skill guys in the past, but like, I don't know how, like looking at the body of work for both guys, like I just don't see how I, if Mac Jones gets, it, I think like you just got to name at this point, more of a quarterback award, which it kind of is. But I just think Jamar Chase is uh, definitely more deserving, in my opinion, of, uh, of winning this award. All right. That's very fair, Core. I'm agreeing with you on a lot of those points there. But ultimately, we don't decide on who wins the award. 
that is for a different day later in the year. Right before the Super Bowl, the NFL Honors. Definitely going to have to tune in and see who wins that award. One other game core that we'll talk about that severely implicated AFC playoff hopes. And it was on the good one for the AFC. The Colts were victorious over the Cardinals on Christmas Day. They won 22-16. to That puts them to 9-6. and And a game, again, that separates them, if you ask me, from the rest of the conference. Now you have Indianapolis and New England both at nine and six, and then you have a lot of eight and seven teams looking up at them. So for the Colts to kind of separate themselves, that was huge for them. Jonathan Taylor was good in this one, if you ask me. Not great in the sense that he had one long run early, and then Arizona was able to contain him. I think the biggest X factor in this one was Carson Wentz. I thought he was great. It was one of his best games of the season. And that throw that he made the last touchdown, to it wasn't Pittman. It was to the Pittman lookalike. But besides the fact that throw that Carson Wentz made was unbelievable to throw that not a lot of quarterbacks can make in the NFL. And it's why I've still been believed in Carson Wentz, even through all the struggles and stuff like that, because there's there's a handful of guys that can make that throw in the league. It was unbelievable on third down. Like I said, that ultimately leads the Colts to a victory. And this one puts them in prime playoff state. But the Cardinals lose their third straight. Yes, they have clinched a playoff berth, but now it's ultimately going to look like they're going to have to travel to wherever. I'm not 100% sure yet. That hasn't been decided. But it doesn't look like they will win the NFC West, which is disappointing for them. But for the Colts side of things, it's a huge win for a team that, again, is really hitting their stride right now. Yeah, for sure. This Colts team coming into the year um, definitely was a team who had playoff expectations. Like this team, all like on both sides of the ball, just probably like one of the best teams in the NFL. They had that really tough start to the year. But yeah, since then, they've really... They like weathered the storm and now like they're just kicking it into into stride. I think that's what, like five of six or six of seven wins for the Colts. They've just been um, really good. I think certainly right now, like you're telling me, I think the Colts for sure right now, definitely a top three, maybe top two team in the AFC. And I mean, yeah, for the Cardinals, first off, like Cardinal, Cardinal betters who took the Cardinals to win the, the, uh, the NFC West before the year, like. I'm just sorry that this is honestly a pretty bad beat for them to to choke this lead like this. But yeah, I think the Cardinals. I don't know what's happening with them. I know I know they're like on offense. Um, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins um, for the rest of the regular season. Obviously, like JJ Watt has been out for a while. But I just don't know what is it. Just see, like Kyler Murray, um, I think is actually like really spectacular quarterback. He can create a lot of a lot of plays and improvise really well. He doesn't get he didn't really he didn't even get sacked in this game just because like he, he just runs out of the pocket but yeah I'm not sure what's happening with the Cardinals necessarily it just seems like they've kind of been figured out a little bit and I don't know I think right now you look at the Cardinals in the NFC um playoff picture I'm not sure if like right now there's they'd be they'd have to go to Tampa Bay to um for a playoff game like I don't think they're beating Tampa Bay I think if this team can't somehow get the division, which I don't think they're getting anymore. I, I don't know if they could really win a playoff game. You look at any team who won their division, Green Bay, Dallas, the Rams, and Tampa Bay, like they got to go on the road to one of those teams. Like I don't think they're they're beating one of those teams for sure. So I think the, um, the Cardinals, still a good team, but I think they definitely have fell off decent amount. And I, I don't really see them winning a playoff game at this uh, at this stage. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like for a while in the NFC, we were describing it as, all right, we have these five teams in the Cowboys, the Packers, the Buccaneers, Cardinals, and Rams, right? And then we're going to have the other two teams that get in 
But those now it seems like it's the four divisional and then the rest of the three wild cards. The Cardinals are looking more like the 49ers and I don't want to say the Eagles, but you, you, know, you know what I mean? Like those other teams vying for that playoff spot rather than the top four seeds. And I mean, it's just been a trend over Cliff Kingsbury's career in both college and the NFL. I'm, I have a graphic that I found on Twitter, which is unbelievable stat if you ask me. Cliff Kingsbury in games one through seven of his season versus the rest of the year, right? He's 42 and 20 in his coaching career in the first half of seasons. The second half of seasons, he's 16 and 43. Specifically with the Cardinals, 15-5-1 in games one through seven, eight and eighteen in the rest of through the rest of the year. So you can look at Cliff Kingsbury and maybe say, all right, when you start putting stuff on film, it's like teams are able to figure it out. I know Cliff Kingsbury obviously comes from a college background and air with an air raid offense. So you could say maybe the simplicity and stuff like that. Whatever the case may be, Arizona definitely needs to figure something out to get off this skid, a three-game losing streak. Now, going to Dallas, too, doesn't get a lot easier. Yes, though, the Cardinals do play better on the road than they do at home. So that's a good thing for them. But come playoff time, yeah, they're definitely going to need DeAndre Hopkins back, who's a huge weapon for them on the outside. But then again, I mean, in this game, you can't you can't blame injuries. Everybody's dealing with injuries. The Colts at one point in this game had one, like, we're down to their, like, they had one offensive lineman starting their right tackle. Everybody else was backups. Like, mm-hmm. it's that, that And, you know, it didn't matter. They're a team that runs the football and relies on their offensive line. They still found a way to win. That's what good teams do in the National Football League. The Cardinals need to figure something out or else they'll be packing their bags in the first round going back to Arizona. And they'll be the, uh, uh, pretty upset about how the season turned out when they started the year 7-0. and And we're looking to be well on their way to a top seed in the NFC. Core, we're going to stay in the NFC now kind of and uh, try to break down what we think who ends up taking the top seed and really give – some more like some more of our uh insight on the whole conference in general right now core who would you say like is the front runner in the nfc to the number one seed see like i think right now um you got to say it's the green bay green bay packers i think i mean obviously at 12 and 3 with uh the vikings at home and then in detroit uh i think they're definitely um the favorite to get the one seed in the NFC, but I wouldn't necessarily, like, I think they definitely could be knocked off, but yeah, for sure. I think right now you guys say the Packers are probably going to get the one seed. What about you? Yeah, I'm in agreement with you too. I mean, yeah, not only are they a game up on everybody else, they do have Minnesota who, yes, I know Minnesota is a good football team, but the Packers haven't lost yet at home this year. So you would think that the Packers again should be able to win that game, although it will be close. And it, even with that, they still play the Detroit in week 18. So more than capable there of controlling their own destiny and securing the number one seed. I just also think they are the team to beat in the conference. But I don't think it's as clear as the AFC. We'll get into the AFC in a little bit. I definitely think that there are more formidable contenders in that sense where it's not like as like as much of a drop-off. As much as I don't like them, core, the Dallas Cowboys are a complete football team. They can win a lot of different ways. And I think they're a real threat to – the new uh to the Green Bay Packers and like I said it hurts me to say that being a Giants fan and stuff like that uh, there's nothing less like if the Cowboys won the Super Bowl it would be awful I would we want to hear we'd hear about it for months and stuff like that but they're a real capable team they get after the quarterback they cover and on offense again they just have this multi-dimensional attack when you can win a lot of different ways in the National Football League it sets you up for a whole ton of success 
And that's ultimately what the Dallas Cowboys can do. I mean, obviously you have the Rams and the Bucks too. I think the Bucks have to get a lot more healthy at certain positions. Obviously they lost Godwin. Shaq Barrett too is going to be on IR, hopefully coming back for the playoffs. He was so good for them last year. And of course, I'm a big Los Angeles Rams guy. I think the Rams too are more than capable of going uh, on a run and getting into the Super Bowl, even winning the Super Bowl there. I think they're really hitting their stride. They've won their last four games. So I think those four teams, if you ask me, if one of those four teams weren't to make, like, didn't make it out of the NFC, I would be severely shocked. I think, I don't think that's a bold take at all, though. But mm-hmm. right now, I give the slight edge to the Packers. But those three other teams right behind them are uh, shortening the gap, I should say. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think, yeah, all four of those teams, like, you tell me, one of those teams um, got out of the NFC. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me it was the Bucks, Rams, Cowboys. Or Packers, but the thing is, I think if you're gonna tell me, like, I think the Cowboys honestly need the number one seed the most, in my opinion. I don't think they're gonna get it. I think it's just like a lot to overcome right now, especially considering the um, the Packers' final schedule. They're gonna need they're gonna need a loss this week from the from the Packers. But like, if you're telling me, let's say it's the NFC Championship game and then the Cowboys made it, like, I think the Packers could definitely like if if it's a championship game and the Cowboys have the one seed, like in the games in Dallas, I think the the Packers could go into go into Dallas and and win that game. They've done it before. They've proven Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. He could he could do that. But like if it's the NFC Championship game in Green Bay, I just don't see like Dallas being able to to go into Lambeau and, and win that game. I think Dallas definitely needs the um the home field advantage to um to get to the Super Bowl in my opinion. Like I don't I don't see them going on the road in an NFC championship game against the Packers and uh and winning that. But I think the Rams and Tampa Bay teams like that, like definitely Tampa Bay. I mean you got Tom Brady, he can go into any environment. I think um the Rams have proven that also they can go into an environment. But yeah, I think you're telling me what team needs the the number one seed the most. I think I think it's the Dallas Cowboys personally. Yeah, I, I can I can get behind that take for sure. I think that I mean, if I'm ranking these teams right now, like I I'd probably go Green Bay, the Rams. Uh, I mean, I I normally would have the Bucks up there, but with the Bucks injuries, they definitely scare me. You know, I I won't rank them then because it's it's gonna be too difficult. It'll take too long to do that. But yeah, I I the Dallas definitely would. Dallas's outlook, if you ask me drastically increases if they're the home seed and the NFC runs through Dallas. So I'm with you on that. I also think a big X factor in this is who can avoid the San Francisco 49ers in the first round. Yes, I know the 49ers just lost this past week to the Tennessee Titans, but they're a more than capable football team. Again, I know one of these teams is going to play the Cardinals, but another one's going to play the 49ers. I think the 49ers have the ability to beat anybody when they're on. Uh, Trey Lance might even be at quarterback for them. Who knows? I know this week it looks like he'll play against the Texans, and if he's good, maybe they just ride with him. It gives them another element for them to defend. So I think it might just be luck of the draw, but whoever can avoid San Francisco also might have a – definitely does have an easier path, if you ask me. Corey, let's pivot now to the AFC, where the Kansas City Chiefs continue to remind people why they were a Super Bowl favorite coming into the season and why you should have never panicked when they were three and four, they win their eighth straight game, really dominating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this one, kind of ugly, you know, no Travis Kelsey, no problem for the Chiefs as they win this one 36 to 10. I mean, all but 
right now, the Chiefs, I mean, at 11 and four, they do lose a head to head tiebreaker with the Titans. So they don't have really the top seed locked up. They do have the AFC West locked up, which is good to them. But obviously they have higher aspirations than that. Would you say right now, though, I mean, like I said, I know they don't have it locked up, the number one seed, but would you say that Kansas City is the top team in the AFC, the clear-cut team to beat? Yeah, I think it's not really a question right now. I think um, Kansas City certainly, they've won seven seven in a row, I think, or eight in a row, eight in a row, yeah. I mean, they've really turned it up a notch on on both sides of the ball. Like, their defense has, has, been, has been really good. I know they gave up some... A lot of yards and points to to the Chargers, but I mean they came up, they got some big stops um, inside the red zone on fourth down in that game. But yeah, I think this Kansas City Chiefs team is pretty complete football team. I think they're definitely a favorite, definitely the top team to come out of the AFC. But like, if I look at the NFC, like I don't know. I think <clears throat> like I wouldn't say the Chiefs are like the they're definitely not the overwhelming Super Bowl favorite. Like you look at the NFC, I think those top four teams certainly. Could um could knock off could knock off the Chiefs, but in the AFC, I think right now, I think it's definite to say like they're definitely top dog, top team in the AFC. They've proven it over the last eight games and over the last few years, and they found their stride. I think for sure they're the top team in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask me, the Chiefs definitely are a step up of everybody else in the conference. I mean, if you look at just the whole football, like everybody, I think that. The Chiefs and then the four teams, the four division leaders right now in the NFC are the top five teams in football. So right there for the five teams in the NFC. And but I like the Chiefs don't being the only representation of the AFC there. But yeah, I think there are a couple teams, if you ask me, that can take them. But right now, if you it would be completely unfair to put them over the Chiefs for what the Chiefs have done really down the stretch. But Corey, talking about some of those other teams, I mean, we've mentioned that the Titans beat them in the regular season. They might get Derrick Henry back. The Bills seem that they've kind of recovered from those losses. Yes, they were tough games against the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But now they're starting to maybe hit their stride again for a team that in the middle of the season at one point was like seven and six when they were, again, a top contender in the conference. The Indianapolis Colts as well. So, Cora, I'm curious, if it's not the Chiefs, which team do you think is in best position to take them over? See, like, I was thinking it would be the maybe the Bills, but... I'm not honestly. I'm honestly gonna ride with the um, with the Indianapolis Colts. I think the only the one question mark for um for the Colts. I think he's had a good year, but like Carson Wentz, could he <clears throat> could he carry the Colts to a win? Like I said in earlier episodes, like if they get a little off script and Jonathan Taylor like is not as effective in the run game, could Carson Wentz um get it done? I think he can, and I think like on both sides of the ball, this Colts team is as good as anyone. So. Yeah, I think if it's not the Chiefs, I mean, if the Titans get back, if the Titans get Derrick Henry back, I think that adds like that that's a whole another element, and you really don't want to see that team. But I think for now, can the Colts beat the Bills head to head? I know the Bills are a better team right now than when they played each other, but yeah, I think right now, if it's not the Chiefs, it's it's, it's the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I I would lean the Colts as well. I think the Buffalo Bills, if you ask me, are more than capable right now today. I would say those three teams are in one circle with everybody else outside of it. I think that obviously you have Mahomes and Josh Allen. And then for the Indianapolis Colts, obviously they're 
extremely good run game. But Carson Wentz is really starting, if you ask me. If he can play as well as he did with Arizona, this is for sure a Super Bowl team, no question about it. This team is more than capable of making it. I'd even get on the record right now of saying that the Colts would get to the Super Bowl. But what would scare me is a potential first-round matchup with Buffalo. Yes, I know they played so well in Buffalo in the regular season, but... I, again, I just would not like, like, I wouldn't feel great about that opening matchup because of how talented Buffalo is and how dynamic Josh Allen is at the quarterback position. Now, if Derrick Henry comes back for Tennessee, Tennessee's a team that I never really give enough credit for, but Tennessee really gets up for every single game. I mean, they play up to their competition. It's evident. I mean, you saw even last week against the San Francisco 49ers. They got A.J. Brown finally back and involved in that one and were able to kind of squeak out a win there, which is huge for their outlook and stuff like that. We don't even really mention the Cincinnati Bengals, which is interesting, kind of shows, yes, they're a good football team, if you ask me, but I don't know if they're necessarily ready yet. But, I mean, it's still wide open. So I'm excited to see how the final two weeks unfold. And I think that, like, come playoff time, when we see seeding as well with first-round matches and stuff, it'll give us a lot more clarity on what teams can potentially make a run. Because, I mean, home field, again, is a huge X factor in this. The Colts, it's looking like they'll probably have to go on the road all postseason, which is another tough thing to do. Uh, I know Buffalo and New England, too, whoever wins the division there gets to host the playoff game. Whoever doesn't going to have to go on the road, look probably all the playoffs. So th- those are huge games that these teams down the stretch need to win to, in order to improve their playoff seeding. But core, we'll talk about one more team before we get into our game picks. The Miami Dolphins make history this past week. In the same season, no team has ever had a seven-game winning streak and a seven-game losing streak. The Dolphins, they won week one, then they lost seven straight games, and then they flipped the script and won seven straight games. Yes, you can point to their level of competition that they've played along the streak. I know they've played like the Jets twice. They've played the Mike Glennon-led Giants. they played the Texans. they played the Ian Book-led Saints. But at the end of the day, they win seven straight football games in the National Football League. I will tip my cap all day to you. Their defense, the pressure that they get is unbelievable. I mean, they just crowd seven people. I mean, it's the same thing that they did against the Ravens. They, they love that game plan where they're going to crowd seven people around the line of scrimmage. And they're going to send all of them sometimes. They're going to send three of them sometimes. It's extremely difficult for offensive linemen to decipher who's blitzing and who's not. Definitely confusing on a quarterback as well. So the Dolphins, I mean, right now they are in the playoffs with the seven seed. I think, I don't know necessarily, I really don't think they can win a playoff game. I think they can make it real difficult though on one with their defense. I think their offense, again, it just lacks some, like any deep threat, like any vertical threat. They don't run the football as well, if you ask me to complement their defense as they should. So I'll still give them the credit where credit is due. I think that if the Dolphins were to even make a playoff appearance, I I don't like participation trophies and stuff like that. Like you shouldn't be proud of just making the playoffs if you ask me, but for a team that started one and seven, they definitely deserve to pat themselves on the back really right now. I mean, for putting themselves back in the conversation, but if they were to make the playoffs, I don't want to say it's a successful season because they ultimately fell short of a Super Bowl, but in hindsight, it is a successful season for them. So they got a big game with Tennessee this week that could be uh could really help their playoff hopes. And I'm wondering if they can uh, keep the streak going. Yeah, I mean, starting off one and seven, there were rumors like, is Brian Flores on the hot seat? I think Brian Flores is a, a really good coach. Uh, yeah, I think like, yeah, you look at teams they've beaten over these last seven games. I'd say like the only quality win has been at home when the, when the Ravens, were were like good. They were like six and uh six and two or six and three at that time. I know, and they, and they absolutely 
swarmed um, the Ravens in that game. Yeah, I think this defense is definitely legit. They they definitely generate a lot of uh, pressure from from the pass rush, and they and they do create turnovers. So, yeah, I think this Dolphins team definitely could. Um, yeah, I'm not saying they can make noise in the playoffs if they got in and upset a team in the first round because I don't think they can. But yeah, I think they're not gonna they're, like they're not gonna be a walkover. I don't think like they're gonna go into the playoffs and lose a game by like three, four touchdowns. I think they'll be able to hold their own a little bit. I think certainly this week against Tennessee, probably their um their best opponent they've played in in a while, probably since they played the Ravens this time. They're gonna be in Tennessee. I think this game definitely gonna show um tell us a lot about um like what type of team this is. I think Tua, I know for like his completion percentage is almost around seventy percent, which is honestly really good, but I don't know, he threw one deep ball. It's like Mac Hollins was was an absolute dime. But besides mm-hmm. that, he throws like a lot of like short passes. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I don't know how how good this Dolphins offense is, but their defense certainly is legit. So yeah, I think they're a decent team. I don't think they could really win a playoff game though. But yeah, I think they could uh, hold their own for sure. Yeah, it's a very RPO driven offense where they're trying to get the ball out of Tua's hands quick. I mean, their offensive line isn't great either. So that's kind of why, maybe one of the reasons why they tend to do that. I think if you ask me the Dolphins, yeah, like I'm still with you on the fact that I don't think they can maybe win a playoff game. I think they're going to make it real difficult, though, on a team that relies on the passing game because of the amount of pressure that they get and the fact that they can get in your face. They'll play press man, and they have the corners to do it in Xavier Howard and in Byron Jones, Javon Holland to another safety who's been outstanding this year. So if they were to match up with, like, the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, the Buffalo Bills have played them well the past couple of years. But if you ask me, that's like a type of team that I think they'd have a lot more success. I mean, obviously, you saw what they did to the Ravens and stuff like that, what they've done to a mobile quarterback. I think they can potentially give the char- – I know they won't face them, but the Chargers, they can give a bunch of trouble. I don't want to say Kansas City because I think Kansas City's on the next level. But it's the type of thing – like we saw, obviously, what pressure did to Kansas City last year. Yes, they've been able to adjust to that. Yes, they rebuilt the offensive line. But just that sense of like when you can get that much pressure and play that good of defense, you can beat anybody on any given day. So. I mean, these last two weeks really decide what type of team the Dolphins are. I mean, if the Dolphins lose to the Tennessee Titans and then they lose to the Patriots, we're just going to be like, yeah, they, they were an okay team that took advantage of some bad quarterbacking play and stuff like that. But if they're able to squeak into the playoffs, maybe we're like, all right, this team's just on fire and they're playing possessed and maybe they can ultimately win a playoff game. Who knows? But right now I'm not completely bought in on them winning a playoff game. Maybe though they can squeak into the playoffs. It'd be a great story. For them. But Cora, that finally brings us to our game picks for week 17. How great is it that we can say week 17 and it not be the last week of the regular season? Because of course, we still got week 18, that extra game this year. Core, we're going to start first in the AFC, a huge game again for playoff implications. The Kansas City Chiefs are five point favorites traveling to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. The Bengals off that big win against the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, as it stands, like I said, Kansas City's only a game up on Tennessee, but Tennessee has the head-to-head tiebreaker, so Kansas City needs to win this one. Um, a couple weeks, I don't know if you remember back then when the Ravens, when the Bengals beat the Ravens the first time, then the Bengals kind of had a letdown game. They lost real bad against the Cleveland Browns. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think the Bengals are kind of now have proven that they're a lot better of a team, and that win against the Ravens the second time wasn't like as surprising as the first time. With that even being said, the Chiefs are just on another level. Like I've been, we've been saying this whole podcast and stuff like that. They have flipped the switch. They have shown, again, that they are the most dominant team in the AFC. These two teams are constructed similarly 
in the sense that they're offensive-driven teams. And if that's if there's going to be a shootout, I like the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. I, I don't know. I, I think the line is actually fair. I thought the line was going to be a little lower, and I was going to love the Chiefs in this one. At five points, I think it's fair. The Bengals' defense, yes, they've been good at some points this year. Their secondary specifically has been much improved. With that being said, though, I'm going with my guy Patrick Mahomes to ultimately win this game and cover. So I'll take the Chiefs minus five. And what should be a good game, uh, maybe a potential AFC playoff preview. Yeah, I think this um, it's a battle between two probably playoff teams. I mean, obviously the Chiefs are top team in the AFC. But, yeah, like I honestly thought this spread was going to be like three, three and a half. But, yeah, five points, definitely a uh, cert, like a reasonable spread. I think they're giving a lot of respect to the Chiefs. I don't know. I think – I think Kansas City's defense is good, but I don't know. It's Tyron Matthew, I know, left the game um, last game. I, I don't know. If, I don't know, like, his status. But I think the I think the Bengals will be able to put up some points on, on the Chiefs in this one. But, like, I don't know how, how like, well, the Bengals defense can be able to stop Patrick Mahomes in this Kansas City Chiefs offense right now. So, yeah, I'm honestly going to take the Chiefs minus five also. But I expect this game to be – a competitive game. I expect it to be within within 10 points, and I expect it to be, like, a pretty fun, um, exciting type, kind of like a shootout-type game. So, yeah, but I'll take the Chiefs minus five in this one. Yeah, and one thing, if you ask me, that ultimately kind of put me on more, even more on the Chiefs side. I mean, again, the Chiefs have just shown us why they're a dependable football team, and all year the Bengals have kind of, like fiddled the line with consistency. You know what I mean? You got the peaks and the trough with that team. So maybe this week they can finally show us that they're a consistently good football team by beating the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to have to wait and see. Another game core that is huge for the Baltimore Ravens. They host the Los Angeles Rams this week. The Rams are three and a half point favorites in this one. All eyes will be on Lamar Jackson. Like I mentioned, he did practice earlier in the week. So that's a good sign for him. Even with that, like the Ravens are still so banged up in a sense. I can't like the with how dominant the Ravens have been the last couple of seasons. It's crazy to think that the Ravens could potentially be missing the playoffs and stuff like that. With that being said, I think John Harbaugh is one of the top coaches in the National Football League. Yes, the Ravens have lost four straight. I think they're not able to get off the skid, but I think they're going to be a real competitive in this one. So I'll take the Rams uh, to win the game. I'll take the Ravens to cover the three and a half points. I think it's going to be a real close competitive game, and I think. Again, the Rams have more talent. They got more available guys and stuff like that. Sean McVay obviously has the boys clicking, and I think they're going to be able to attack that secondary again. Maybe they'll get a little bit healthier. Maybe they'll get a couple guys back. Maybe not. Obviously, like guys like who are out for the season and stuff like that. Ultimately, though, I think the Ravens will fall just just short in this one now. So that's why I'll go with the Ravens plus three and a half, but ultimately the Rams to win the game. Yeah, I mean, if there's something the Ravens have done all year besides, like, last game, they've, they've competed in uh, and battled and played a lot of close games. And honestly, I don't know. I, I think Lamar Jackson, I think even if he plays in this one, uh, I saw, like, he had, like, a pronounced limp um, at practice on Wednesday. So I don't know how effective Lamar Jackson will be. I still think he'll, um, he'll definitely be able to do some damage. But for a guy who's, like, a dual-threat quarterback, like you said, like a lower – like an ankle injury is definitely something that's um very tough, especially for for a guy like him. So I don't know. Like I want this to be a close game. I think three and a half points, it, like it's not a lot at all. But I don't know. I don't know if it's a trap. I think the Ravens 
are a team that battles. But I just think at the end of the day, they've had so much to overcome. I don't think they're going to cover the spread in this game. I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half in, um, in the game. I just think right now the Rams are just a better team, uh, more healthier. And, yeah, I just think they're better. So I'm going to take the Rams minus three and a half in this one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Rams, like I mentioned earlier, hitting their stride. And this is a big game for them to continue to kind of put them on track to win the NFC West. I think if they win this week and Arizona loses, they have the division. Core, sticking with the Arizona Cardinals, they travel to Dallas this week to play the Cowboys. The Cowboys are five and a half points in this one, which, I mean, if you would have looked at this game in week seven and said that the Cowboys would be five and a half point favorites, you would have said, well, it's went wrong. With the Cardinals kind of struggling down the stretch, losing their last three, and the Cowboys really hitting their stride makes all the sense in the world. Obviously, the Cowboys are coming off that remarkable performance against the Washington football team, and they put up 56 points in that one on Sunday night football. Kind of torn on this one. I think that it's going to be a real close game, so I'll take ultimately the Cardinals plus five and a half. The outright winner, I mentioned, I don't think the Cardinals lost on the road this year. I believe they're five and oh, or seven and oh. Uh, yeah, they are seven and zero this year on the road, or seven and one, excuse me, seven and one on the road this year. So, the team again that plays better outside of Arizona. I think the Cardinals too. They match up pretty well in this one. I think the past couple of weeks their run defense has definitely been that side that that's what's been giving them a little bit of trouble there. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the better football team here, which I think is the Dallas Cowboys. Like I mentioned earlier in the year, earlier in the episode, it pains me to say that the Cowboys are a really good football team, but they definitely are. And I can count on them more than I can count on the Cardinals. That's why I'm going to go with the Cowboys, a team that doesn't have to lean as much on their quarterback, can win a couple different ways, maybe even take the ball away from Kyler Murray. So I'll take the Cardinals to ultimately cover, but I will take the Cowboys to win this one outright. Yeah, I mean, this Cowboys defense over um over the last few weeks just been absolutely like insane especially generating pressure i mean michael parsons the absolute problem and forcing turnovers and i know they've had a lot of uh defensive touchdowns so i think this one at home i think the the cardinals they're so due for like some type of just to have a pulse and some type of bounce back game but i don't know like i just think going into dallas right now i think dallas went through that little slump like they lost to, to, the, to the raiders on thanksgiving since then they haven't lost the game they've they've um They've been looking really good. I think they're hitting their stride again. So I think this one at home, I'm going to take Dallas minus five and a half. I just think, like you said, I think right now they're a better football team. The thing about Dallas, like last year, we knew how good their offense was, but the defense couldn't stop anyone. And then this year, the offense is still really good, but like the defense is just so much more complete. So I think they're a really dangerous team. So that's why I'm going to take Dallas minus five and a half in this one. All right, last game that we will be previewing will be an NFC North battle between the Minnesota Vikings uh, against the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. The Packers are six-and-a-half-point favorites there. I'm going to keep this one real short and sweet. The Vikings, 14 out of their 15 games have been one-possession games. The spread is in one possession, so I'm going to side with the Vikings at the number. Ultimately, they'll take the Packers to win. I'll ride with Aaron Rodgers and the better quarterback against primetime Kirk Cousins, who's honestly made a little bit of a comeback. I know he had that nice win the past couple weeks against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Bears on primetime. But ultimately, I think the Vikings will fall just short in this one. No Adam Thielen, but they should get Dalvin Cook back. And if it could potentially put the Vikings out of the playoff race, which is upsetting. I think the Vikings will look back on the season if they were to lose this game and miss out on the playoffs and really say, like, what could have been. I mean, you mentioned how bad they were last year, their defense specifically, and then this year to kind of 
continue to just lose these gut-wrenching one-score games. It's just like if we had a couple more players, maybe instead of being, I don't know, eight and nine, which might they might finish out, we could have been like 11 and five, 11 and six. So it's tough for the Vikings. They absolutely really need this game, but I just ultimately don't think they're going to get it. So I'll go with the Packers to win. I think, though, the Vikings will cover. Yeah, I think this um this Vikings team, I think if they can get Dalvin Cook back in this game, I like them to um I like them to cover the spread for sure. I think this will be a close game and they've honestly played I know like I remember last year, like week one, they got they lost to the um they lost to the Packers, but then they went into Lambeau. I think Dalvin Cook ran crazy and they beat him this year. So I expect this game to be pretty close. But like the thing about the Packers this year, they've just found ways to win close game after close game. So yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings to cover, but I think at home, Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Packers will uh, will find a way to win this game. Yeah, one one thing, though, that kind of makes me want to flip my pick, I won't do it, though, is how well the Cleveland Browns were able to run the football on the Green Bay Packers this past week. And Baker Mayfield turned the ball over four times. They were still in it until that last interception. So definitely the Packers did look a little vulnerable in their run game. I'd like them to sure that up a little bit. But Ultimately, I'll still stick stick with my original picks. Core, I'll give it. We'll give out the rest of our picks for Week 17. Uh, as disgusting as this game is going to be, the, we'll start with the Giants uh, traveling to Chicago to play the Bears. The Bears are six point favorites. I know I picked against my Giants last week. I won't do it again, even though I'm not sure if they'll win another football game with how they're set up. With but I'll still go with the Giants plus six and them to win the game. I'll take the Falcons plus 14 and a half, but the Bills to win in that one. I'll take the Dolphins plus three and a half, but the Titans to win. In Tennessee, uh, pending Carson Wentz's availability right now, the Colts are six and a half point favorites over the Raiders. So I'll take the Colts there with the sense that Wentz will be playing. I'll take the Buccaneers minus 13 over the Jets. I'll take Washington plus three and to win the game over the Philadelphia Eagles. These two teams played a couple weeks ago, but the Washington was dealing with all sorts of COVID issues. Hopefully they'll get almost all their guys back there. I'll take the Chargers minus six and a half over the Broncos in a big time bounce back win. I'll take the 49ers minus 12 and a half over the Texans in a similar bounce back. I'll take the Panthers plus seven, but the Saints to win the game in an ugly NFC South battle. I'll take the Lions plus six and a half, but the Seahawks to win the game in Seattle. I mean, the Seahawks, what a disappointing season it's been. Even losing last week to the Bears at home kind of is the epitome of their season. And ultimately, in the last game that we'll pick, the AFC North battle, I'll take the Cleveland Browns minus three over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take the the Bears minus six at home versus the Giants. I'll take the Falcons plus 14 and a half against the Bills, but the Bills to uh, to win the game. I'll take the Dolphins plus three. Actually, you know, I picked the Dolphins to make the playoffs, you know. We'll take the Dolphins to just win outright at Tennessee in this one. Uh, I think if Carson Wentz plays, the Colts are able to cover minus six and a half against against the Raiders. I think the Patriots cover minus 15 and a half against the Jaguars uh, at home. Uh, I think the Jets, I know they might get back Elijah Moore, but I think the Buccaneers out here, they cover minus 13 against the Jets. Eagles-Washington, I expect to be a solid game, but I'll take Eagles minus three in um, in Washington. Broncos versus the Chargers, I think this got to be a get-right game. I mean, um, a bounce-back game for the Chargers. I'll take the Chargers minus six and a half at home against the Broncos. Texans, Char- Texans 49ers. Davis Mills has looked good, but I think Trey Lance um, plays pretty well for the 49ers. So I'll take the 49ers minus 12 and a half at home. Panthers-Saints, this is a pretty bad game. Uh, I I don't know. I'll take it's a tough one. I'll take I'll take the Panthers plus seven. I think the Saints squeeze the win out though. 
Seahawks, Lions, I think the Seahawks cover minus six and a half at home, despite how bad of a season they've had. And then Browns, Steelers, um, I think the Browns are a better football team. So I'll take the Browns minus three at the, uh, at, at the Steelers. All right. And those are our picks for week 17. One pick that I did not say that I'm sorry for skipping over. The New England Patriots, I also believe, will bounce back and they will smoke the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'll take them minus 15 and a half. So that's going to do it for the NFL portion of our show. Week 17, like we said, should be an exciting one, should give us all the clarity, almost all the clarity we need, hopefully in week 18, that could really fix it up. But get ready for the first time that week 17 won't be the final week of the regular season. Let's move it on, Core, to the NCAA, because, I mean, we are finally on the big-time bowl games and stuff like that. But even with that being said, Core, there have been a couple of real good ones that have happened over the past week. I mean, it's unfortunate, though, with some of the cancellations that have happened. I know Rutgers has replaced A&M in, I believe, the Gator Bowl playing against Wake Forest. I know that for sure. UCLA, NC State was kind of robbed from us. The Holiday Bowl, that game was canceled. I mean, it's kind of upsetting to see some of these teams not really have one more game in their college careers. You know what I mean? Some of these players have worked so hard for four, even five years in some cases. But it's the world we live in right now. But um, hopefully... These programs, you know what I mean? They can kind of bounce back and stuff like that. Like, or maybe even fill some of these voids with these bowl games and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, kind of a damper, if you ask me, that we get robbed some of the bowl games. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, with COVID coming back a little bit, I think, yeah, cancellations for sure are um, are pretty devastating. I mean, there's some guys obviously opt out to go to the NFL um, draft. But, like, for some guys, it might have been, like, who were going to play, like, maybe – it was their last um, going to be like their last college football game of their career and their game got postponed or canceled. So definitely unfortunate to see. But for everyone, uh, everyone else playing, um, definitely, definitely just happy to be out there. And yeah, I mean, it's not it's not good to see for for like the teams that got canceled. But for everyone else, uh, yeah, I guess just take advantage of the opportunity to be able to play. And that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the teams we'll talk about that did play a lot. Of, we'll talk about more of the bigger names. I mean, Clemson, Iowa State played last night in the Cheez-It Bowl. Clemson was victorious in that one. I think it's kind of crazy, if you ask me, for Clemson's success over the past 10 years, really. I mean, this has been considered a down year for Clemson, and they still won 10, they still won 10 games. I mean, it's kind of a testament to Dabo Sweeney and what he's built over there at Clemson. Obviously, this is more of a game looking ahead to 2022. They got a couple of real good ball players on their team. I know their running back, Will Shipley, looks like he's going to be a dynamic player there. But uh, the big question is DJ at the quarterback position. I will Again, I will not attempt to pronounce his last name. But, I mean, one of the lowest QBRs in the ACC. So that's definitely a position that they're going to evaluate. Obviously, Clemson is a quarterback hotspot they're bringing in five-star recruits every year at that position. So his future is definitely uncertain, if you ask me, as a starter there. Still a nice win, though, for him and the rest of the Clemson Tigers. Like I said, in a bad year to still win 10 games, still pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, this this is not the same Clemson team that we've uh, we've seen over um, over the course of, of the year. But, I mean, uh, you don't have Trevor Lawrence right now, and you, you lost a lot of guys. But, yeah, I'm not – like, for a down year <clears throat> to be 10-3 – and that certainly just like shows to type of program Dabo Sweeney's built um, in in South Carolina, like in the state of South Carolina at Clemson University. But yeah, I don't know about DJ Ugalele. I know he's he's taken like a decent amount of sacks 
not even that many. Um, definitely more than like last year. But yeah, he's just not looked good all year. And yeah, this guy was my Heisman prediction before the year, and he's just laid an absolute egg all year. I don't like yeah, like you said, when you're starting quarterback at Clemson like this, and you have a type season like this, could easily be replaced by an incoming five-star quarterback. So I don't know what their future is. I mean, I wish the best for DJ yeah, ukulele or whatever it is. But, yeah, I mean, definitely had a poor season. I hope he can bounce back. But, yeah, I mean, this game was an all right game. I, that interception, uh, Brock Purdy threw it, like, bounced off a few guys. And then uh, Clemson took it to the house. It was uh was pretty, pretty cool to watch. But, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, Clemson. Um, Clemson, yeah, down year, 10 wins. Uh, I guess you'd call that a success for, for, for a down year. Yeah, I mean, in this game, too, you mentioned that interception. It was kind of like the Brock Purdy effect uh, in full on full display. I mean, a couple years ago, this guy was seen maybe as potentially a first-round draft pick uh, in a couple years. In really the 2021 draft, that's when he was eligible. He came back this year for his senior season. Yes, he set all sorts of record at Iowa State. But for Iowa State, definitely an upsetting year in a sense that, I mean, they were a preseason seven seed and they finished seven and six don't win the big 12. Yes. They had a lot of games where there was only one score games, but you would hope that with a veteran quarterback and stuff like that, you can win those games, not have balls that kind of bad. I know it was like, like, you know, inadvertent. He tried to bat the ball down. He ends up batting your head to a Clemson guy's hands. And then even at the end of the game, he gets the first down, but they punched the football out from him and he recovers it behind the line of uh, the first line, the first down line. So ultimately the game was over there. Another game that was really exciting. If you ask me, Oklahoma versus Oregon in the Alamo bowl what was interesting about this one is Bob Stoops, legendary coach from Oklahoma came back to coach just this one game to kind of help them out after Lincoln Riley moved on to USC. Uh, and the players clearly want to win for the guy. I mean, they look, they came out firing. They were up in this game early 30 to three, really controlled the whole game in that sense. Caleb Williams, I mean, we've seen him, obviously, in games against Texas and stuff like that. And he struggled a little bit in the Baylor game. And they, you could even say they lost the game against Oklahoma State. But Caleb Williams, if you ask me, still as a freshman, really opened a lot of eyes in that sense. I mean, this guy's going to be, if you ask me, should definitely be on a short list for Heisman like trophy winners next year. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. His just raw athleticism and arm strength are almost unmatched in the country, if you ask me. I think he still needs to work a little bit with some of his progressions and his footwork and stuff. like that. He's a little raw in that sense, but, I mean, the kid's a true freshman who didn't play any football last year in high school due to COVID. So what, he's, what he was able to do this year, if you ask me, for Oklahoma was unbelievable. I mean, even going into the year, he's probably really not even preparing to play because they had Spencer Rattler. But a testament to him and his work ethic, what type of kid he is, that he was able to be prepared for the moment and really – uh, run with it. Uh, I'm excited to see what his future holds. I'm not sure if it's going to be at Oklahoma or maybe at USC. I think maybe he's going to stay at Oklahoma, which was surprising to me. I thought once Lake Riley took the job, Williams would definitely follow him, but still up in the air. You know what I mean? I do like though, if he was going to transfer that, at least he hung it out for the rest of the season with Oklahoma and was able to win a bowl game and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, Kennedy Brooks was also great in this one, but I mean, you watch Caleb Williams play, he definitely, he has it. You know what I mean? I'm excited to see this young kid's future because it looks tremendous. Yeah, I mean, this was a pretty uh, pretty fun game. A lot of uh, a lot of points scored in this one. Both teams putting up lots of yards on offense. But, yeah, Caleb Williams um, definitely, definitely could be like that guy. 
I don't like whether he's at Oklahoma next year or another school. I think um, definitely going to be in a Heisman, a Heisman candidate. Uh, in the Heisman conversation, uh, for sure, you can see like, like his ability to run reminds me of uh, of Kyler Murray a little bit. He didn't really run that much in this game, but just like the way he kind of gives me a little bit of Kyler Murray vibes, just the way he plays. But yeah, I mean Oklahoma in this one rushed for over 300 yards. Kennedy Brooks, even um. Major Marcus Major, he looked uh he looked really good. Eric Gray also did pretty good. All rushing for a lot of yards per carry, but yeah, I mean Bob Stoops comes back, he gets the win, which is uh pretty bittersweet. But yeah, Anthony Brown's career at um Boston College in Oregon finally comes comes to an end. I don't know what what's in store for him, but yeah, overall this is a, a pretty pretty fun game to watch. Uh, a lot of points. And, yeah, Caleb Williams definitely is that guy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you want to turn on your TV and watch a good bowl game, I mean, that was definitely one of them. Definitely an easy one to watch with all the points being scored. But with that core, like I said, we won't get into really a lot of the some of the other bowl games and stuff like that. We'll stick to the bigger names. And with that being said, the New Year's Six bowl games are almost underway. I mean, the first one kicks off tonight, the Peach Bowl. So we're going to get into these games, Core. We're going to preview some of them, give our, give our insight as well as our picks for all these games. And at the end, of course, we will leave off with our playoff preview and stuff like that, being that two of these bowl games are playoff games. We'll, like I said, we'll leave those two games, though, for last. We'll talk about the other four right now first. First, we'll start with the Peach Bowl, the game that kicks off on Thursday, December 30th. Number 12, Pitt, ACC champions play number 10, Michigan State. Michigan State is three-point favorites in this game. The biggest thing when you see these bowl games is you got to look first. Who's playing in this one? Unfortunately for fans, no Kenny Pickett and no Kenneth Walker, which, I mean, two guys who finished in the top six for the Heisman voting, kind of a damper to not see them. You understand it, though, with what's at stake with their future, that they wouldn't want to put themselves at risk in this game. It's upsetting to see from a fan's perspective, but you understand it. Uh, Both these teams, like you said, exceeded preseason expectations for sure. I mean, nobody would have thought that Pitt would win the ACC and Michigan State, what they were able to do in the Big Ten. I mean, what um, Mel Tucker has been able to kind of build for their program this quickly is really impressive, obviously, with that big win this year over Michigan. Yes, they got blown out by Ohio State. Yes, they lost to Purdue. But uh, for a while, Michigan State was looking like one of the top teams in the country. Three-point favorites here. I'm going to back Michigan State. I just think a team like Pitt that has relied on Kenny Pickett all year at the quarterback position, for them to lose their quarterback going into this game is kind of detrimental. I mean, their backup quarterback really hasn't seen any time all year. Pickett, again, has been at Pitt for five years now. So it's not like they had a guy who's seen some sort of game action. So that's why I'll go with Michigan State. Yes, I know Michigan State's offense has relied on Kenneth Walker all year, but I think it's a lot easier of an adjustment for them to kind of replace Walker than it is for Pitt to replace Pickett. Uh, Jordan Addison, a Huge wide receiver for Pitt. Definitely a guy to keep your eye on in this one. He's not draft eligible this year. But uh, if you want to get excited for the 2023 NFL draft, definitely watch this guy play. He's unbelievable. Had a great year with Kenny Pickett at Pitt. But ultimately with that, I'll go with Michigan State. I'll take them uh, minus three in the sense that uh, it's just a little too much to overcome. Like I said, disappointing that these stars won't be out there, but understandable. And we hope to see them in the NFL come 2022. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, you look at this. Look at this game. You want to see Kenny Pick, Kenny Pickett, and you want to see Kenneth Walker for um for both these teams. But like, yeah, um, right now these guys are in college. They obviously like you have to obviously understand. Like, you don't want to get hurt. Um, 
before like getting to the NFL. Obviously, like this is their guys' dreams, so definitely could understand and respect it. But yeah, I think in uh, in this game, I think Kenneth Walker obviously is just like certified dog, certified playmaker on offense. Um, not really replaceable, but I'd say he's more replaceable than like a quarterback in Kenny Pickett. And I know Pittsburgh's backup really has not gotten gotten much action. I think his name it's like Paddy's his last name, Nick Paddy. I think he um hey, you're gonna see what he's about in this game. But I think for sure, I think with a backup a quarterback like that, I think you gotta back you gotta back Michigan State in this one. If they if they lose, we both fell for this. But yeah, I just think without Kenny Pickett, I don't know how um I mean, I don't know. I think it's gonna be tougher for Pitt to do what they've done. Obviously what they've done all year, but I just think it's gonna be tough for Pittsburgh to um to put up the points that they've been able to. So yeah, I think even without Kenneth Walker, I'm gonna I'm gonna back Michigan State in this one and take them to uh to cover the spread and which should be a, a pretty good game. All right, like I, we said, that game is on Thursday. Now we're going to jump over New Year's Eve because those are the two playoff games. And we're going to jump to New Year's Day first and then circle back. First, on New Year's Day, we will talk about the Fiesta Bowl, which features number nine, Oklahoma State, playing number five, Notre Dame. Notre Dame are two-point favorites in this one. No huge opt-outs in this one on Oklahoma State's side for Notre Dame. They will be without two of their best players. I mean, Kyle Hamilton really hasn't played due to an ankle injury. He will not be playing in this one. And Kyron Williams, their running back, also will not be playing. But even with that being said, Notre Dame has played well down the stretch without Kyle Hamilton as great of a player as he is. And at the running back position, they still have Chris Tyree, who's a dynamic playmaker as well. I think this game just means so much for Notre Dame in the sense that they really wanted to retain their coordinators in Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman, who eventually became their head coach. I think they're really going to rally around Freeman and play for him in his coaching debut, his head coaching debut. So I'm going to back Notre Dame here. I think Oklahoma State, too, maybe a little bit of wind out of their sails, falling short of the college football playoffs and falling short in that Big 12 title game. Yes, like the bowl games, they're nice to win. But ultimately, Oklahoma State would do, probably do anything to have that Big 12 title game back and a chance to win that. So I just think, again, ultimately, the fall short in this one. I love Notre Dame, actually, minus two in this one. And Jack Cohn, potentially his last game uh, in his college career. So, yeah, I'll go with Notre Dame here in a game that I really think, like I said, they can just rally around Freeman and prove why it was a good decision to promote him to head coach. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, two, um, two teams who are – Definitely in a conversation to to get to the college football playoff. Oklahoma State obviously controlled their own destiny more. I mean, they probably wouldn't have made it anyway, but you never know. They lost the Big 12 championship anyway. Uh, Spencer Sanders kind of had a bad game in that one, I think. Usually, like, there's two types of ways you can respond from a loss. Like, you're either just down from it and, it and it takes a lot out of you, or you could bounce back. And honestly, I kind of agree with you in this one. I think Oklahoma State had their eyes on a um, a college football playoff appearance, and that's, they didn't get that. So I'm not saying they're going to lay an egg in this game. I think it'll be a relatively close game. But, yeah, I think Jack Cohn, what is he, like a 50-year 50 50 senior? or I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, yeah, came over from Wisconsin. Long Island native, you know, you, you got to back the Long Island guy in, it, in this one. I think it'll be a good game. But, yeah, I'm going to take Notre Dame minus two. I think um, – Watching Notre Dame this year, especially on offense, they've been they've been a good team. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back them in this one. And yeah, I think they cover minus two. All right, moving on to the Rose Bowl court in Pasadena, California. 
number 11, Utah, the Pac-12 champions, play number six, Ohio State. Ohio State, four and a half point favorites in this one. Ohio State will be without a couple defenders, as well as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on offense. That puts Jackson Smith and the Jigba into a featured role at wide receiver, which he's seen a lot this year. He's been one of the best receivers in the country. I mean, it's crazy how deep that wide receiver room is at Ohio State. This game kind of has me torn in two different directions because this game, if you ask me, means so much to Utah being its first Rose Bowl appearance, whereas Ohio State, um, again, they lost to Michigan over a month ago now, and they've had a lot of time to think about that game. And this is like Ohio State, yes, as as good of a game as the Rose Bowl is, Ohio State did not want to be in the Rose Bowl unless it was a college football playoff game. So with that being said, I'm going to take Utah with the points. I think, again, it just means a lot more to Utah. Ohio State's too good of a team now that I'll take Ohio State to win the game. And they still have C.J. Stroud at quarterback, Travion Henderson at the running back position. So I ultimately think Ohio State wins this game. I think it's going to be a real good Rose Bowl. And I think ultimately Ohio State will be able to pull it out. But I think Utah can keep it close for the time being. Yeah, I think the spread, obviously, minus four. Um, it's relatively low, but to be without, like, top defensive player and, and two of your best receivers like definitely makes sense and see like I think Ohio State for sure um if they beat Michigan they're they're in the college football playoff for sure but I think like to be on this stage in the Rose Bowl CJ Stroud like this isn't like just a like a random bowl game like that's not gonna get much attention like the Rose Bowl obviously traditionally is one of the it's a New Year's Six ball. It's one of the biggest balls out there. Like, uh, I think C.J. Stroud's gonna want to put on a show. I think Jackson Smith and the Jigba. It, it I mean, he he's done it all year. I don't expect. I know he's had two other really good receivers that you've had to cover, but I mean, it's Ohio State. Um, I don't even know like any of their other receivers to be honest. But, but at Ohio State, like you're not replacing Chris Olave and Garrett with Garrett Wilson with some type of like scrub like these guys definitely gonna be able to step in fill the role not like Wilson and Olave but I think they'll be able to step in I think Jigba goes and has a big game so I think in this one I'm gonna take Ohio State minus four despite how um I know Ohio State lost to Oregon a Pac-12 um opponent early in the year but I think they bounce back here I think Ohio State minus four is the play and I'm gonna ride with that one all right moving on to the last game on New Year's Day Pack tw- uh, Big 12 champion Baylor, ranked seventh right now in the country. Play Ole Miss, who's ranked eighth. Ole Miss is one and a half point favorites in this one. My pick is simple for this. Uh, if you want to really ask me, I think Matt Corral and his po- one of his interviews when they asked him like why he's playing in the bowl game and stuff like that, and he answers how he would never be in this position if it wasn't for Ole Miss and the coaching staff and stuff like that. So why would I kind of turn on them now? Yes, I know I can go pro and stuff like that. I thought it was awesome to see that. And I think that's just something a lot of people can rally around. What Lane Kiffin has done in Ole Miss through his time has been unbelievable. The turnaround that they've had there, they're they're having a record-breaking year. I think for them to potentially go for their 11th win, they'll be full force with it. Baylor, in the sense that they're thrilled that they won the Big 12 title. You know what I mean? They didn't like. I wouldn't say Baylor went into the college football playoff hopes. They kind of achieved their goal. Ole Miss, like I said, with Corral in this one, there's no way I'm picking against them after that. So I'll go with Ole Miss minus one and a half here. I think there's going to be a lot of points for the Ole Miss Rebels and uh, a fitting end for Matt Corral's final collegiate game. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be a, a good game. I think Baylor's a team who um, I wouldn't say they've gone under the radar this year, but like they haven't really been given 
too much respect. Like they've beaten Oklahoma, they've beaten Oklahoma State. Uh, at the time, I know like BYU was ranked. They did. Oh wait, no, they beat Oklahoma State in the championship game. They lost during the regular season, but I think this is a good Baylor team. They showed it in the the Big Twelve championship game. I don't think like they're gonna go into this game like, oh, we already achieved like our like our goal. Like I think this is gonna be a good game. I I don't think Ole Miss is gonna like walk all over Baylor, but at the end of the day, I think uh I think Matt Corral comes out and balls out against against Baylor in this one. So I'm gonna take Ole Miss in a close one, but I think they do cover uh minus one and a half in this game and uh. And get the job done and get to 11 wins under Lane Kiffin. Yeah, one thing definitely to note in this game is who will be at quarterback for Baylor. I know their starting quarterback actually missed the Big 12 title game, but there's chances that he will be able to play in this one. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Core, with all that being said, we finally have our last two New Year's Six Bowl games, and they are the college football playoff ones. We will start first with the game that occurs first on Friday night. The Cotton Bowl court, I believe it's a 3.30 kickoff, I want to say, on Friday. Yes, 3.30. Features number four Cincinnati against the top-seeded Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama's 13.5-point favorites here in a line that, again, looks a little big for a college football playoff game. But Cincinnati being the first group of five team to finally crack the college football playoffs, understandable in that sense. Listen, we've talked this year that Cincinnati has beaten some top competition. They beat Notre Dame, who right now is the fifth-rated team in the country. So that's an impressive win. Notre Dame could probably play with a lot of other these top teams, these Power Five teams. So Cincinnati should not be intimidated in that sense. Cincinnati has played well against Georgia last year. There's a lot of ter- there's a lot of the same guys on the Cincinnati team from last year to this year. So knowing that they went toe to toe with Cincinnati uh, with Georgia last year in the Peach Bowl should definitely give C- Cincinnati some positivity in a sense that and at the end of the day Alabama this isn't the same Alabama team that they've been I mean a couple maybe a month ago when they played that Iron Bowl for 59 minutes they were outplayed in that game and it took Bryce Young's miracle to really put them in this spot and then obviously that performance over Georgia was unbelievable with all that being said core I think Alabama and Nick Saban like for Saban to lose a game where he has the clear-cut talent advantage in would be absurd I think he's way too good of a coach to do that I know Cincinnati has two All-American corners, and Alabama will be missing John Mechie, but still, Jamison Williams, if you ask me, is a receiver that none of these guys have seen yet close to his skill. He's unbelievable, one of the top in the country, and I just think that Alabama will be able to push the ball again. They just haven't seen an offense as explosive as Alabama's all year and stuff like that, and even if they can kind of not, like, I think think Alabama will be just as physical as Cincinnati, too. I don't think it's fair to say that an Alabama team that hasn't really ran the ball great won't be able to run the ball against Cincinnati. I actually do think they will be able to run the ball a little bit, can kind of get it going. So with that being said, I'm going to take Alabama minus 13 and a half here. I know Desmond Ritter and Cincinnati have been a great story these past couple of years, but I ultimately think they'll fall short in this one. And what will piss me off is that people will say that kind of, oh, they don't deserve to be there and stuff like that. No, Cincinnati deserves to be in this game, but Alabama is just going to prove if you ask me why they're one of the top teams in the country. So I'll take Alabama minus 13 and a half here. Like you think about Alabama, I mean, obviously, like the talents there. I know John Mechie isn't isn't going to be playing in this game, but like Bryce Young is the Heisman winner. Um, Jameson Williams, absolute stud on the outside. The defense is um got got obviously you got talent there. Like probably a lot of those guys going to go to the NFL. But like to be to be fair, like before that game where they absolutely just dismantled um Georgia in in the SEC championship game, like. Leading up to that, Bama was not necessarily playing, like, 
great football. Like they had a lot of close wins. Like they barely squeaked by Arkansas. Took like an absolute miracle to beat Auburn. Um, they barely beat LSU. So I think I think Alabama, like if Alabama's on their A game in this game, I think they win this game easily. But I don't know. I think Cincinnati, a 13 and 0 team, I think they got to have a chip on their shoulder in this game. I think they hear they probably hear all the noise. Um, Oh, we're not, they're not a power five team. Uh, I mean, I don't know who could say that Cincinnati doesn't deserve to be in the college football playoff, but I know there's people out there that say that this team's 13 and 0. Um, they, they beat Notre Dame who's ranked fifth in the country right now. I think, um, definitely deserving. So I I think this game is going to be, I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think Alabama inevitably wins the game, but um, I think, I think you got to buy this spread up to like 14, 14 and a half. I think Cincinnati stays within two touchdowns. But at the end of the day, I think Bryce Young and Alabama, Nick Saban, I just can't see Nick Saban losing, losing this game to Cincinnati. But I think Cincinnati um, will give, I think they'll give them a fight. I think they, they cover the spread. But I think at the end of the day, it's roll tide and Alabama wins this game. Yeah, it'll definitely, like I said, be interesting to see early on in this game how Alabama and Cincinnati both come out. I think if Alabama kind of, comes out with like their foot on the gas it might get a little ugly but if Cincinnati you know what I mean can kind of be right there with them and hang with them like give them a give Cincinnati like if you're Cincinnati you gotta at least try to stay in it with like give yourself a chance to believe you know what I mean whereas if you go down two scores early it might be like all right this is like kind of too much to overcome and stuff like that but if Cincinnati can kind of keep it within striking distance they can always in the sense have a chance to uh a chance to believe that they're in this game Moving on to the Orange Bowl court, we got number three, Georgia, seven and a half point favorites against number two, Michigan. Michigan obviously coming off that huge Big Ten title win against Iowa. Of course, the win the week before against Ohio State. But now that's in the past, Gord. What matters about Friday night, their matchup against Georgia. I mean, Georgia was the number one team in the country for almost all season. I mean, they were dominant in SEC play, and then they got to the SEC title game and kind of got punched in the mouth by Bama. Bama was explosive on offense. Bryce Young threw for like 400 yards in that one, and they had no answer for it. Stetson Bennett and company on offense weren't able to get going. I mean, Michigan is not built like Alabama. They're not going to throw the ball 40 times a game, and they're not going to air it out. They don't have a playmaker like Jameson Williams on the outside. Michigan and Georgia are both built very similarly in the sense that they have dominant defenses and they have offenses that want to run the football and their quarterbacks will be smart and they will put the ball where it needs to be on time. So, I mean, you could say it's about like, you know what I mean? They're they, they know how each team wants to beat each other here. What I love about Michigan is their ability to get pressure on the quarterback. And I love Michigan's run game too, in the sense that yes, Georgia's defense has been good all year, but I, they haven't seen a run game like Michigan's Hassan Haskins has been great. Blake Corm now has had a month to recover from his injury. Yes, he's been playing a little bit in the, the Ohio State game and the Big Ten championship game. Maybe not at 100%, but now he's going to be 100%. He's had a lot of time to rest up. I mean, realistically, I was never going against Michigan anyway. I think Michigan for sure can win this game. I think, again, both of these teams are not going to like to play from behind. They're not built that way. So I think that whatever if team can get out to an early lead, it will severely benefit them. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Stetson Bennett's inability under pressure. I think Alabama was able to do a good job with that in the SEC title game. And I think Michigan with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo on the edge can do that. So I'm going to go with Michigan with the points. I'm going to take them ultimately to win the game. I think Jim Harbaugh finally makes it to a national title game. And I think Kirby Smart comes up just short. I think 
It'll be interesting to see if JT Daniels even makes an appearance in this one. I thought that for Georgia to win this one and win the national championship, they need to turn to him. I don't think they're going to do that. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with Michigan here in huh, a pretty biased view. But, uh, listen, I just think, I think they're a better – like I think they're just as good of a football team as Georgia. And I think the way that this season has gone, Michigan just is like – I don't know, kind of has that destiny yeah. feel to it. So I'll go with Michigan here. Yeah, I mean, Michigan beating Ohio State at home, like that game – was um a pretty electric game a lot of fans there so i think i think the thing about georgia like they're only giving up was probably less um before the alabama game they were only giving up nine and a half they're only giving up nine and a half points per game but if you look at it besides like besides like alabama like not their fault like no one they've played has really been like oh like this team's really good like kentucky arkansas like those teams maybe even florida like those have been their their best wins, and that's nothing to Georgia. I think Georgia is a t- definitely a top two team, top three team in the country. But I think Michigan, um, in this one, Michigan's a really good team at running the ball. I know they average over 200 rushing yards per game. And usually I think <clears throat> this spread is pretty high. I think Vegas is like thinking this more of like, like a bounce back game for Georgia. I don't think this spread should be minus seven and a half. I think it should be little less. I think it should be like Georgia minus four and a half, minus five and a half. But I think, yeah, I think Vegas thing is like a bounce back game. I'm thinking of it more as like Alabama took it, took it to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think, I don't know. Obviously I'm not inside the locker room. I'm not Kirby smart. I'm not anything. I think Georgia, instead of like a bounce back game, I think maybe after a game like that, like you get shook up by Nick Sam and Alabama. I think of it more, it could phase your confidence in a little bit a little bit and I think Michigan is rolling at the right time and I'm de- I think I'm, de- I'm definitely taking Michigan plus seven and a half to cover this game I think whichever team can get up like get ahead like you said both these teams um like to run the ball and lean on their defense and like neither one of these quarterbacks are Bryce Young or even like Desmond Ritter so I think like I said I think whichever team get up first I think could win this game or get up to like a reasonable lead so I'm going to take Michigan plus seven and a half. But honestly, I think I honestly want to see an SEC um, championship game rematch. So I know I was saying like their confidence is shook. I think at the end of the day, Georgia comes away with the win. But I'm certainly taking Michigan to cover the spread. I think this will be a really close game between um, two really good football teams. Hey, listen, the history says, too, that between both of the playoff games, one of them always tends to be more of a blowout and the other one tends to be a real good one. We've had some classic playoff game score. I'm thinking back to, I believe this was 2017, then 2018 was the championship when you had Georgia play Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield, uh-huh. Sony Michelle, Jake Fromm, Nick Chubb, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously that national championship there, college football playoffs, it's an awesome time for sure. I mean, obviously we've seen so many good championship games. I know I was just singled out that uh, Rose Bowl game, but I'm excited to see what's happening with the college football playoffs. It's it's one of the best times of the year, obviously, when these big bowl games occur. We're not going to give our national champion away because, I mean, you know what I mean? That kind of takes the suspense away from the next episode. I know it might change a little bit. They might get eliminated, but come on now. We got to let something for you guys to look forward to in the NCAA. But yeah, Core, that's going to do it for today. Definitely a longer episode, but with bowl season in full force there's no way that we were going to kind of graze over some of these games. You know what I mean? We want to go a little bit more in-depth and stuff like that. Core, anything you want to leave off with? No, nah, I mean, just another action-packed um, week. Um, bowl games every day. These games obviously happen tomorrow. NFL on Sunday. So 
definitely going to be a um, really entertaining weekend to watch college football. And besides that, like anyone listening, happy, happy new year to everyone. And yeah, I mean, next episode, I mean, hey, we didn't even know it's the last episode of um, 2021. Next episode will be in uh, 2022. So yeah, happy new year, everyone. And uh, enjoy some football. Yeah, another great year. If you ask me of the depot, our first full year, just thank you to everybody who's listened to this point so far and look forward to 2022, the end of the NFL regular season. And um, we're definitely excited for the college games as well. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.